because of the resurrection of our beautiful Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, today we thank you. But as I said earlier in the earlier prayer, Lord, we thank you every day because we're Christians. You're on our mind 24-7, 365. Even when we're doing our work, our mind's on you because your spirit lives in us. And we love every minute of it. We were dead and you gave us life. Jesus said, because I live, you can live also. Father, I just told that to the roofer guy today. Lord. And Father, even the landlord today. Lord, it's time for the world to wake up and realize and try to get back to Jesus once again. Because we're headed in the wrong direction. We need to do that about face that I've been teaching for the last five or six weeks. We need to turn around and give our lives back to Jesus and follow after you. Return to our first love and repent of our sins. And then you promised that you would bring times of refreshing back to our lives. And we thank you, Father. We believe every word you say, Lord, at least here at Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches, we believe every word you say, everything in your word that is written here is in there and it's accurate. It's history. It's spiritual. And Lord, we believe it. Because you had men write it as they were told by the Holy Spirit. And we just thank you, Lord, that you have your beautiful word. As I told the roofer today, what, the, what would this world be like without the teachings of Jesus Christ? What would this world be like without the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because nobody on this earth was worthy to pay the price of sin, which is eternal death. Only one, only one could do it. His name, the Messiah of Israel, Jesus Christ the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Open our heart to receive your word today, Lord. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, everybody, for those of you that just tuned in, you know, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, and we're glad you're here. Again, tune in on Sunday, 10 a.m., as I mentioned earlier, our message is, come and see. That was the first song that Lewis was singing. Come and see. That's the first part of my message. Come and see. And then go and tell. And that's where we're slipping up a little bit. We need to go and we need to tell the world that Jesus Christ came and he is risen. So that they know that there is a God. See, God ain't dead. He's alive and well. He lives in your heart for those of you that receive Jesus as your Savior the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is in your heart. And you are now a spiritual being. Even though you have a physical body, you're a spiritual being until God calls us home someday. So uh, tune in next Thursday night at 7 p uh, 7.15 p.m. too. We'll be back in, hopefully if I finish Genesis 20 tonight, which I think we will, we'll be in Genesis chapter 21. 22 is going to be an exciting chapter. Um, and you maybe heard most of it before, but you know what? It's good. I've been learning over the years. You know, if you want to memorize scripture, you got to review, review, review. If you want to, if you want to get the message of the gospel, you got to go to church and hear over and over and over again. You got to read your Bible and hear it over and over and over again until it's 
driven into your spirit and into your soul so that you can go out and serve God in this world. So uh, please tune in Thursday at 7.15 and Sunday at 10 a.m. And this is, remember, this is Easter Sunday coming up. So for those of you out there, you go to church, hear the message, and come and see that Jesus is risen, and then go and tell and tell, go and tell the world. So God bless you. Let's jump into Genesis chapter 20. For those of you, you may be seated for those of you here, but for those of you on Sunday that are going to tune in, um, we will have communion Sunday. So get yourself uh, some matzo or some, you know, cracker and then a little cup of juice or whatever you want to use, and we're going to take communion together because Jesus told us to do so. He said, you do this in remembrance of him. So... So um, get ready for Sunday. All right. Anyway, Genesis chapter 20. I named this message, Abraham lies again and he ruins his testimony. Some of us Christians have that problem. You know, we lie, we steal, we cheat. Who knows what we do? You know, it's sin, sin. But if we do that, and other believers out, other people out there, whether they be believers or not, they point the finger at us. You're a Christian and you do that? You know, um, you can lie, you can steal, you can cheat, but it ruins your testimony before your family, your children, your wife, your spouse, you know, and even your work, co-workers and even um, the people that you come around every day. So you got to be careful. And Abraham... After this chapter, you know, um, we saw him lie before, and we're going to see him again lie today, but I want you to know, after chapter 20, you can't point a finger at Abraham. After chapter 20, he learns the hard way, just like many of us, the school of hard knocks, a lot of people call it. But anyway, um, here it is, Genesis chapter 20, and I think we should read the chapter. I don't know if I'll read the whole first one. There's 18 verses. Abraham's treachery, says my Bible. This is a New American Standard. Now, Abraham journeyed from there to westward, the land of Nebi, Give, and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night, and he said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, I will you slay a nation even though blameless? Did he not say himself, and she is my sister? She herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know. That is the integrity of your heart. You have done this. And I also kept you from sinning against me before I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. 
and all those who are yours. Boy, that's a heavy consequence. Now Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were greatly frightened. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have not, you have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you should have done this thing? Abraham said, Because I thought surely there was no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it became about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is now the kindness which you will show me. Wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen, male and female servants, and gave them to Abraham and restored his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, Behold, my hand is before you, my land is before you, and settle wherever you please. So Sarah, to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you, and before all men you are cleared. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah. That's a powerful chapter, and there is a lot in this chapter. You know, Abraham leaves Hebron, you know, and went south to Gerar. And it's on the border of Palestine and Egypt. So he's almost back to Egypt again, which we saw in chapter 12. Okay? He's, he's going again where he doesn't belong. He was told to go to the promised land. He went there. When he heard there was a famine in chapter 12, he took off to Egypt. And you remember down in Egypt, he told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister. And he lied. And God got him out of that one. And he said, why? You've got to remember now, I told you ladies, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. At this point, when she was taken by, by the Egyptian pharaoh, she was 65 years old. And she was a beautiful woman. Okay? She's already two-thirds of her life gone. That would be like if you lived to be 85 or 90 today, that would be like, you know, you being in your 40s or something. You know, you would be, no, not 40s, but in your, in your 60s, you would look like you're 60 because, because, you know, that's the way. She was a beautiful woman. There's no reason why some of us can't be uh, good-looking or, or beautiful, you know, uh, at that at that age, you don't give up because you're 65. The government says, "Oh, you can collect Social Security at 65." Believe me, I'm glad we can collect Social Security, but you know, you don't have to look like you're ready to die. You know what I'm saying? 
You know, Sarah wasn't anywhere near that way. She was a beautiful woman. And when she's taken here in chapter 20 by Abimelech, and Abimelech is just like Pharaoh. It's, it's a title. It's not his first name or something like that. It's a title. Like Pharaoh wasn't named in chapter 12. It didn't say what Pharaoh it was. And Abimelech, we don't know what Abimelech is, you know, except that is his title. It's like President of the United States or Prime Minister of England. You know, it's a title. But when, he sh- when Abimelech is, comes and gets her, you know, because she's a beautiful woman, she is 89 years old, and she is beautiful. Abraham knew that there was, he thought that there was no fear of God in, in Abimelech's land, and he thought, well, she's 89 years old, she's beautiful, he's going to kill me because of her just to get her. See how beautiful she was? You know, listen, a lot of women today are beautiful, and it causes them a lot of problems. They actually end up doing things and going where they shouldn't go because they're beautiful. Sarah wasn't like that. Neither was Rebecca. You know, they were godly women. Listen, Abimelech had her for quite a period of time, but he never touched her. He never touched her. God prevented that. Sarah was a pure woman. She stayed pure. She needed to stay pure because this is the beginning line of the Messiah of Israel. And as I told you many times, the foundation has to be firm and secure, which is, I'd say, and when we studied the book of Acts, you saw Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Spirit, and God got the church's attention right away because Peter says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit. That's, you know what that points to? That the Holy Spirit is deity. He's not an it. He's an he. He's the Spirit of Christ. It's all through the Scriptures. Listen, um, Abimelech obviously had a fear of God of some kind. But listen, Sarah's 89 years old. She was just told last chapter she's going to have a baby this time next year. We know that she was 90 when Isaac was born. She's still a beautiful woman, living to be 127 years old. So she was past two-thirds of her life, almost three-quarters of her life, and she was still beautiful. So I want, want to tell you, you know, um, you know, not only beautiful exteriorly, but she was beautiful inside, you know. Uh, you know, Proverbs 31 talks about the 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 pure woman, the good woman. You know, it's not just the outward beauty, it's the inward beauty. And Sarah was both. So Abraham forgets God's sovereignty here like he did whenever there was a famine in the land. In chapter 12, he went down to Egypt to evade the the famine. God did not tell him to go there. He he was mistrusting God's sovereignty that he was going to supply his need even in a famine land. Well, this time again, he didn't go where God told him to go, and he, got, he forgot God's sovereignty. And now Abraham says to Sarah again, you know, when we go to this land, you know, say you're my sister. And she truly is. She's his half-sister, but she's his whole wife. Do you understand that? He, he did a partial truth here. And you know what? Do you know the devil puts a little bit of truth in every lie? 
You know, it's borderline here. You can't do that kind of stuff. Well, yes, we're supposed to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, but we've got to figure out how to do it uh, righteously. Um, history now is going to repeat itself. Okay, Abraham repeats the same sin over again. Once more, he lies about Sarah being her, you know, um, that they were brothers and sisters. He lies because he didn't tell the complete truth, and he fails God again. And as I mentioned before we got into this study, this is the last time you're going to see Abraham fail. We all should be learning. Remember I talked about uh, progressional sanctification. Your positional sanctification is you're saved. If you believe in Jesus Christ, bowed your knee before Him, accepted Jesus as your Lord, you are positioned in Christ. You are a child of God if you did it with your complete and whole heart. Okay? Yes, your position is you're a sanctified person, but there's progressional sanctification. Okay? Progressional is you were born in 1990. Uh, 1999, and you live till 2085, okay? That little dash in there, that's your progressional sanctification. That's where you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You become, you become, a, you, you begin to look like him in righteousness because you, you're modeling your life after him. That's progression, you know, if you used to cuss and swear, or used to drink and, and uh, do drugs, now uh, in that little dash, you're, you're cleaning that stuff up. You're cutting out the swearing, the smoking, the drugs, the alcohol. You're getting rid of that stuff, and you're progressing in your sanctification. And then there's perfected sanctification, and that is when we die and we go to heaven, we are now perfected. We're now perfected. There will be no more sin in heaven. You know, we will be perfected because of our position in Christ and because of our progressional sanctification. That's an important, that, that's a whole Bible study right there. You could, you could actually go home now and use that, you know, that dash and, and clean up our lives. I know I've been doing it even to this day, and I've been a believer for 43 plus years, and I still do it every day. I've got to clean up some stuff. God's getting me ready. He's getting you ready for the kingdom of heaven. So, um, he repeats the same sin here. It's, and, and that points to, for those of you who don't believe in ancestral sin, that points to ancestral sin. The sins of his forefathers are going to pass on down the line because Isaac wasn't even born yet. Remember, Sarah's 89. She didn't have Isaac yet. Abraham's 99. Okay, they didn't have I. They didn't have Isaac yet, but yet Isaac repeats the same sin when he's grown up and says Rebecca is his sister. You see that Isaac didn't know anything about it unless dad or mom told him. Okay, but it's ancestral sin. It passes. It's sins of the forefathers passed on the third and the fourth generation. That's Exodus chapter twenty and Deuteronomy chapter five. The sins of the forefathers, and I touch on this a lot. You know, my mother used to say, the apple don't fall far from the tree. You're just like your dad. You know, that's what, same thing. Um, so, we got to watch that. Ancestral sin is a real uh, thing, you know. Um, we got to watch it. And even Isaac wasn't even born, but yet it passed down the line. How can that be? 
Well, because God said so. It's, it's you know, sins of the forefathers. It's right in the Ten Commandments, written in both of those chapters that I just told you, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 25. If you aren't yielded to the Holy Spirit, and that's where Abraham is, he's, he's repeating the same sin, and he's been caught in repetitiveness of his sin. And it's time for all of us to get away from that repetitive sin that's been bugging you for many, many years. Some people are delivered immediately, and some people are not. They have to work through it and progress in their sanctification or justification, whichever you want to call it. And Abimelech takes Sarah. She Remember, she's 89, 90 years old at this point. She's so beautiful. Abimelech, the king of that land, he says, I want her. Because he could have anything he wants. He obviously made sure that she wasn't married. And Abraham even told him that she was his brother. Or she was his sister. And he said, Abimelech said in, when he was speaking to God, and didn't Sarah say she is, he is my brother? So they both lied. So we see Abraham's sin passed from, from Genesis chapter 12 in Egypt. Just, just Abraham is said to say that. Now we see Sarah saying it, Abraham saying it, and we see Isaac in the future, the chapters that we're going to go, he's going to be saying it too. Ancestral sin. Don't try to cop out on that, even you pastors out there that don't believe in it. It's scriptural. When who? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know exactly how it goes. You know, uh, his mother Rebecca was uh, brother was Laban, and uh, Rebecca Rebecca um, was Laban's daughter. Laban's daughter. So it was have been her brother's uh, daughter. But back in those days, I guess they considered sisters. Not, you know, but it's the same sin. Anyway, we can't spend a whole time on that. But yeah, yeah. Well, could yeah. Well, he does say that, but this is a whole different, different subject. You know, we, that's, we could spend time on that. But back in those days, you know, a lot of times, even when they talk about about the fathers, you know, they skip a couple people in there sometimes in the scriptures because they're still considered the brother or the son. Okay, so uh, it's hard to explain. It's easy to explain, but right now we can't do it. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Abimelech takes Sarah. She's ninety years old. She's still beautiful. Um, God gives a dream to Abimelech. God is in a dream, and he says to Abimelech, you are a dead man. Boy, if I heard God say that in a dream, it would scare the pants off of me. And it did. It scared the pants off of Abimelech. Abimelech and Abraham thought, there's no thought of God in this land. But he was wrong. These people heard about Sodom and Gomorrah, and they said, the God of Abraham is God. And they wanted to straighten up. They, they feared what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. They feared it. 
because it, it wasn't long before fire and brimstone was raised on. It was only a year or two by the time Sodom and Gomorrah was, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And Abimelech and his countrymen knew that. And they, you know, here, you know, he was a fearing God. This was this, Abimelech was a God-fearing king, okay? And he heard God say in a dream, you're a dead man because of the woman that you, that you took, for she's married. Oh, boy. In this world today, if God would speak to people in a dream, probably over half of the world would hear this message because they're running around with, with people that aren't even their spouses. They may be married to somebody else and running around. You know, God would have an awful busy night every night. Well, it would be 24-7 because this is around the world. It's night somewhere in the world. But there was, but there was, you know, in a lot of this world today, there's no fear of God. Nobody even cares about the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt not commit fornication. Some translations say adultery. It's really translated fornication, which was anything. In marriage, out of marriage. Listen, God would have an awful busy night, but at least Abimelech was listening. He heard what God said. There's revival in this land, most likely, that came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were told to repent. I'm sure Lot made sure that they heard, and Abraham probably made sure that they heard, you know, that, that um, you've got to clean up your act. It's time to repent. As I've mentioned so many times, there is no salvation without repentance. You know, the roofer today, when he was here, talking, me and the landlord were talking to the roofer, and the landlord said something to the roofer, and the roofer said, you better repent of that. I thought, I was shocked. So I says, that's the key word, repent. That's what this whole weekend is about. That's what this whole world is about. It's time to repent. And a lot of the churches, a lot of people today just don't want to repent. They want to continue in that adultery, fornication, in those lies, in the foul language, in the drugs, in the alcohol, in the pornography, and whatever else it is. It's time to repent and return to God, and he promises times of refreshing, Acts 3.19. That's scripture. You can claim it. Okay? Imagine today, another man's wife. It goes on every single day. A revival was obviously started in this land. Abimelech, because of those words, he appeals to God, which is the same thing that Abraham did. Will you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? Aren't you the judge of all the earth? We just learned that in chapter 18 and chapter 19. Here's what Abimelech is saying. Will you slay this righteous nation? I had no idea she was married. Will you slay this nation and my family because of something that I didn't know anything about? And God even says to him, I know the integrity of your heart. See, God knew that he was integrable and he did not sleep with Sarah. You know, and when he found out he was another man's wife, she was another man's wife, he repented immediately. You saw him start giving maidservants and manservants a thousand pieces of silver and donkeys and, and probably camels and everything else. He was repentant. It cost him something. Repentance will cost you something. You're going to have to give up your sin. 
That's what my About Face series that I'm teaching on Sundays, we're going to be breaking away from it because of Easter. But, you know, that's what that re repent the About Face study is all about. Repentance. Something the church needs to hear today. The church is supposed to go out and win the world to Christ, and instead we're bringing sin into the church and, and bragging about it. No. It's off base. You know, if you put me on TV, they'd click me off in a minute. Because I'm telling you the truth. He had an innocent heart. He said in verse tw 5 of chapter 20, Abimelech says, They both deceived me. He told me she was his sister, and she told me he was his, her brother. And the integrity of my heart, Lord, I didn't do anything. I didn't know any better. You, sh you can't bring this sin upon me. But there are consequences that happen, even though he had an innocent heart. You know, part of it was, just because he was king, he had no right to take anybody. Who do you think you are? Because you're king, you can do anything you want. If you're king or president of the United States and you do wrong, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to vote you to go to jail. Because if I have to do it, if I have to keep my life clean and not steal or connive or tra be a traitor even, and so if I have to go to jail, you should have to go to jail if you're king or not. You know, integrity of heart. Obviously, this king had an integrable heart. But he still was a lording over king. He lorded over Abraham when he came to the land. He said, I want her. And he took her. But he didn't have sex with her because God said he prevented it. He would have, but God prevented it. As I said, Sarah is the beginning of the bloodline to Messiah of Israel. And she, the foundation stone, Abraham and Sarah had to be pure people. Even though the ancestral line, you'll see some repentant people like Ruth of Moab. You'll see, uh, uh, who is it? One of the other ladies, I forget who it is, uh, Judah's uh daughter-in-law anyway we'll get it. that's another subject too but anyway there's a lot of stuff that goes on even even um the adulteress in in jericho what was her name i, I hate when i get these dull spots the uh oh well and you know the girl was taken with the the uh the the scarlet cord was put in the window Rahab, yeah, see, I, I get Rahab, Rebecca mixed up sometimes. Anyway, Rahab, she was a harlot, according to the scriptures. But she's in the Messianic line, which just goes to show you the mercy and the compassion that God has for his loving kindness that is towards us. God knew Abimelech's heart, and he prevents him from sinning in verse 6. Sarah must remain pure, and, and uh, notice... He said, God said this, I prevented you, Abimelech, from sinning against me. You can back that up with other scripture like David said, against you and you only have I sinned, O God. Sin is against God. You might sin against somebody else, but for those of you that sin against God by rejecting Jesus Christ, you have to repent. You have to repent. 
because you sinned against God, you rejected the Savior of the world, and you trampled under feet, you under your feet the blood of God, which was shed for you. And that's a horrible place to be. Okay? Um, God commands Sarah in verse 7 to be restored. Abimelech doesn't, doesn't object to it whatsoever. You know, if he didn't, God said, you're a dead man, and not only you, but you're going to kill your whole, your whole family is going to be gone. He said, you know, your fa- whole household's going to die. You can see how Abraham's sin affected even Abimelech. So don't think that your sin doesn't affect somebody else or something else. It does. Verses 18 through 30, Abimelech, after the dream, he rises up early. He wastes no time. He wastes no time. He's going to get on this subject because his life is on the line. His family's life is on the line. And obviously, as we've seen from the end of the chapter, there was no no children born. The wombs of all his wives and, and handmaids were, were, were closed. There were no births because of this sin. It affected Abraham's sin. Sarah's sin was affecting a whole nation of people. So, he calls his servants, the the king, the Abimelech, he calls his servants and, and he tells them his dream and they were greatly afraid. You can see the fear of God from Sodom and Gomorrah was on this place. Abraham had no idea. He forgot about the sovereignty of God, and he went down to Abimelech's land on the border of Palestine and Egypt. And the men were very much afraid. They were afraid of Yahweh's fame. Abraham, here we see get in the next verses, he gets rebuked by a heathen king. Listen, the man of faith, Abraham gets rebuked by a by a a uh, heathen king. You believe that? How many times have we Christians been rebuked? I know I have by people that say, "When you're a Christian, I got better control over it now that I'm an older Christian and a Lord." But when I was a young Christian and a Lord, I used to get get that too. You know, people point your finger, and you call yourself a Christian. Four ways Abimelech is traumatized by, by Abraham and the way he acts. Here, wait. He says, he goes up to Abraham and he says, what have you done to me? He's blame, throwing blame on Abraham who rightfully deserves it. He says, how have I offended you that you would do this to me? Number three, you've done deeds that ought not to be done to me. You shouldn't have done this, Abraham. He's rebuking Abraham. And then number four, what did you have in view that you did this? And Abraham answered that question. He said, I thought for sure there was no fear of God in this place. So he lied, not trusting God's sovereignty to get him out of this mess. He became a bad witness for for Yahweh the God of Israel, Jehovah, the God of Israel. He became a bad witnesses, witness. Abraham is shamed by a, a heathen king, and he exposes Abraham's wrong. And because of it, Abraham's witness 
for Yahweh or Jehovah, the God of Israel, is in ruins because of it. And how many times do we Christians ruin our testimony? Even in the, in the New Testament, in Revelation, it says, He overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Well, our testimony is very important, not just the coming out of your mouth, but the way you live, the way you act, the things you say. We're ensnared by the words of our mouth, says James chapter 3 and verse 16. We're ensnared by the words of our mouth. Yes, John. Well they, well, they were pointing out tradition, not the law. Same thing they did with Jesus. They were pointing out their tradition. Where he, they thought that Paul was disobeying the Scriptures because it wasn't the law, it was tradition. It wasn't the Mosaic law. Same with Jesus. He never broke the Mosaic law. He broke their traditions, and that's what they hated about it. By breaking their tradition, he, he, a lot of times he entered into their wallets. Because they were doing things they ought not to do. So uh, we, we got to carry on here, Justin. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I said, it was a half truth, but a whole lie. She was his wife. And he was putting Sarah in danger by, she could have ended up sleeping with uh, Abimelech. Abimelech was the king. He could do everything he wants, just like King David could pick the wives that he want, wanted. Um, and that's, you know, today we just have one wife, which is the way the scriptures really, really point to. But um, no, we, Abimelech had a right to rebuke Abraham. And when we get rebuked for our lack of acting, like a Christian, not because of tradition, but because of um, direct sin, lying, cheating, stealing, and all these other things, a thousand other things that you, you can do. You know, um, we got to be careful. A lot of people on TV, whether they be pastors or teachers, you know, they got to be careful how they act. They got to be careful to, to tell the truth about the scriptures and not leave half things out, to be a bad witness. Remember, you put a little truth in every lie, you're just like the devil. I'm sorry, the devil operates like that. He puts a little truth in every lie, and then people follow because of the truth in it. Meanwhile, they're following a lie also. That's what was happening here. Abimelech thought he had an unmarried woman, a beautiful, unmarried, 89-year-old woman. He had no idea she was married to Abraham because it wasn't told. They didn't have papers they carry around back then to do it. We have to be careful. You know, a lot of these evangelists today, you know, are rebuked for things that, uh, that people see them doing. I know Billy Graham learned a long time ago when his first part of his Billy Graham ministry, he was caught taking the tithe to the bank 
And boy, they nailed him. And from that point on, he never touched any money, from what I understand. You know, it just, he wanted to protect his testimony. And that's what we need to do. You protect, protect your testimony, no matter what it is. You don't put any bit of a lie in the truth. That's just the way it is. Um, so Abraham was wrong. This Abimelech, the heathen king, you know, rebukes him for it, and rightfully so. Now, right now, really, the church needs to repent because we look like the world for the most part. A lot of churches look like the world. If there's this out in the world, they bring it into the church and they brag about it. No, no, no. The church is supposed to go to the world. The world is not supposed to come into the church and make the church like the world. No. The church goes into the world and teaching people to repent. As I say all the time, every prophet that came on the scene, Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, you know, Daniel, Jesus, John the Baptist, you know, Paul, the first thing out of their mouth was repent. Jonah, he had to go to, to Nineveh, and his first words were repent. Repent means turn away. It doesn't mean bring them in and have them unrepentant. You bring them in repentant. And we got to change our ways in the world. We look just like the world for the most part. Divorce is just about the same, if not even higher, in the Christian church today. Today we bring uh, sin into the camp, and we flaunt about it, homosexuality, pornography, and we think it's good. I've been in five churches here in Florida, and three pastors fell to sin, sexual sin. That's not a good testimony. It's not a good testimony. Churches should bring the world to Christ. That's our goal. Remember our message on Sunday? Come and see, says the angel to the women. Come and see. Jesus isn't there. He's risen. The face cloth was folded up at the top. I'm coming back. That was a sign of it. When the face cloth is folded at your table in the restaurant and the the waitress comes by and she sees your folded napkin. She knows that you went to the restroom or something like that. She knows you're coming back. So the angel was saying, Mary, come and see. He's risen. He's coming back. Now, Mary, go and tell. Go and tell the disciples. Go and tell the world. That was our commission from the Lord Jesus. It's up to us. We don't go. We go and tell. We don't say, come and bring your sin into the church. No, we look like the world. No, that's not the way it is. If I were on TV right now, they'd shut me off. I can guarantee you that. And rightfully, I'm, I'm not. That's wrongly so, because the church needs to repent. We need to get away from this worldly attitude that has moved into the church, which is demonic. It's a half lie. God loves the, God loves the homosexual. Yes, he does. He don't like the sin. You're supposed to repent of that sin, whatever your sin is. I don't want to pick on homosexuals. If you're a liar or a drug addict, you've got the same problem. Everybody does. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I didn't say that. It's written in the scriptures, many places. Uh, by the way, um, as I said, this is the last time that Abraham 
is rebuked. Um, okay, Abraham, to that response to the rebuke by Abimelech, Abraham responses with three repetitive, how can I say, pathetic excuses for his sin. Number one, he says, I figured the fear of God wasn't in this place. He, you know, he's saying, Abimelech, it's your fault. I didn't know that, you, that God was here. I didn't think of it. You never let me know. She is my sister. Again, half truth, whole lie. She's his sister, but she's his wife. Which one do you think has more power? Well, the two are married, they're joined together, they become one flesh. Right? That's what the scriptures say. So, she's his whole wife, and he told a half lie, and that should not be done. Yes, wise as a serpent, harmless of a dove, without any lies. Without any lies. Okay? Um, number three, God caused me to wander. Now it's God's fault. He's blaming God. Number one, I'm blaming you. You didn't let me know the fear of God was in this land. Number two, uh, it was a half-truth, uh, a whole lie. Number three, God caused me to wander because of the famine we learned from chapter 12. Maybe it was the same thing back here in, in chapter 20. Now he's blaming God. Abraham's avoiding the admission of his guilt. Abraham needs to accept the blame for what he has done and not shift it to Abimelech. And Abimelech, here God says to Abimelech, he is a prophet. This is the first time we see in the scriptures that Abraham is named a prophet. He is a prophet. But his testimony for for Yahweh is destroyed. So, in verses 14 through 18, which is our last ones, uh, Abimelech goes all out because he doesn't want any part of this sin. Remember, his life is on the line. His family's life is on the line because God said, if you don't give her back, you're a dead man and your household with you. So he restores Sarah. Wastes no time at doing it. Gets up in the morning, tells his, his uh, servants what happened. He restores Sarah immediately. And uh, he's given, he gives Abraham, listen, 1,000 pieces of silver. 1,000 pieces of silver. He wants to, he, he respects the office of a prophet. Okay. He gives them sheep and oxen. He gives them even the choice of the land. You're welcome to stay in my land. You can have the choice of the land. Because this king fears Almighty God. He fears Almighty God. You can have the choice of the land. He restores Sarah. He gives Abraham male and female servants. He gives them sheep and oxen. He gives them the choice of the land. And on top of that, a thousand pieces of silver. He's honored only. His testimony is destroyed, but he's honored only by the words of God that says, he is a prophet. He will pray for you. And that's what Abraham did. He prays. And God heals Abimelech and his 
wives, and his maidservants, and they began to bear children. It just goes to prove the other scripture says the fruit of the womb is from the Lord. God's demonstrating his control, his sovereignty. And it also talks about Abraham prays for healing. Now, I know the church out there, sometimes they, they reject that idea. But Abraham is praying for healing, just like Hezekiah did. And God added 15 years to his life. It's okay to pray for healing. I got to tell you a story. And I told it to one person here tonight, but about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, one of the guys from the men's group calls me up. Pastor Joe, he's not here all the time, hasn't been here in a few weeks before he calls me. Pastor Joe, I got COVID. He was really concerned. He was really upset. I got COVID. Will you pray for me? Oh, of course, immediately I start praying for him, okay? He calls me the next day. He's worse. I got COVID. I was tested. I got COVID. Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm worried. I prayed with him again. I bound up evil. I'm convinced that COVID is not only uh, sickness, but it's, it's demonically led. So I start praying against the demonic that might come against him. I call him the next day. We prayed two or three times. I mean, he was in bad shape. I called him the next day. No answer. Left a message. Neil, call me back. Oh, just blew it. Um, call me back. He didn't call me back. I call him the next day. He, you know, leave a message. He don't call me back. I call him the next day. He don't call me back. I call, I go, he call, I call him the next day. I said, Neil? You're starting to worry me now. So you guys know who it is. Neil's okay with it. I can guarantee you that because I talked to him. Listen, he says, I said, you're really worrying me. Give me a call back. Call him another day. No answer. Finally, yesterday, he calls me up. Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm headed home now. He said, but I want to tell you something. He said, the nurses, she, we she was wheeling me out of, the out of the hospital. She said, you are a blessed man. And he said, why? He says, not many people come out of here. He was in the COVID ward where very few people make it out. And I'll tell you what, his whole tone was completely different. He was the person that you guys know. He was all loud and happy and praising God with all of his heart because he knew God had spared him. And that's one of the prayers I prayed. I said, Neil, you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. You abide in the shadow of the Almighty, and therefore God's going to protect you in this. And he did. He's going to give glory to God. And that's what, you know, what can I say here? God healed him. God healed many people that I know over my life. And God can heal you, whatever your, your sickness or your disease is. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. His benefits are good yesterday, today, and forever. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases and delivers your life from the pit. We have to claim it and live it. 
We're the church of Almighty God. We need to live what we believe. But the Lord has closed the womb up. But listen, Abimelech was repentant. Repentant. Uh, Abraham was a prophet. He knew it. He, he was repenting by restoring all these things and giving Abraham all these things also. And, he, and God, because Abraham prayed, being a prophet, God healed Abimelech's family and he spared their lives. So healings are, are what can I say, um, followed by prayer or prayer brings healing. That's all there is to it. So the Lord opens up all the wombs, um, and God is demonstrating his control to Sarah, to Abraham, and to Abimelech and his entire nation. Next chapter, 21, which will be next Thursday, we're going to see that Sarah's womb is opened as she bears a son, and she names him Isaac, which is which means laughter. A woman of 90 years old bearing a child. That would be like today. If you were 65 or 70 years old, you would be bearing a child, which is unheard of. This is, God wanted everybody to know that I have control. I did this. You didn't do it. With God, the ultimate lesson here, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Don't doubt it. I think of the words of Psalm 78. I think it's verse 43. It says, again and again, they tempted God and tempted God because they had no faith. That's the exact words. It's a paraphrase. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Don't doubt. Believe. That's what I'm trying to say here today. Abraham failed a little bit, but like I said, next chapters... From this chapter on, you aren't going to see Abraham fail again at all. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this word, your word so beautiful, Lord. We just, uh, we just love it. And we know since Jesus is the word of God, we're falling in love with you because you are the very words of God. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray again that you prepare hearts for this Sunday for all the people that go to church around this world, that tomorrow, or that, is that Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, many people will come and see, and then they will go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is risen indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless the church. I love you all.